said this before. I believe God can do more with, with, or I, God can do more with 90% of my income in the day-to-day than if I tried to keep all 100. I think what happens is we say, uh, I don't want to tithe because I need that money to pay bills, or I need that money to, to buy a new house, or I need that money for a down payment. And, and we as a church believe that the tithe always goes to the Lord first because it was never ours to begin with. And then the second bucket is this. In kingdom builders, our generosity goes to three specific areas. It goes to local church expansion, it goes to global missions, and it goes to future Christian leaders. Let me break that down a little bit. If I go back to the tithe, we'll teach a little bit, and then we'll get into the sermon, all right? So if I go back to, if I go back to the tithe, every single dollar that comes in to the church, the first 10% goes to missionaries. Say, Pastor, okay, what, what does that look like? Man, collectively what that looks like, we support over 100 missionaries spanning 65 different countries. If you're going to clap for something, like that's, that's probably something we should get. We, like, get. Get that in your mind. We as a family support over 100 different families across 65 different countries that aren't just popping up in these countries to live there. They're proclaiming the name of Jesus every single day. So you say, all right, well, that, that's off of the tithe. But then you mention, you mention that second bucket. And in that second bucket, you mention global missions. Well, yeah, for our kingdom builders, we support uh, organizations like Convoy of Hope. We support organizations like Priority One. You say, Pastor, what, what's Convoy of Hope? Think of any natural disaster that's happened in recent history. And Convoy of Hope is one of the first teams on the ground providing medical supplies, providing food, providing shelter. We as a church get to be a part of that. Say, all right, that, that, that's cool. What, what about this thing called Priority One? What, what's Priority One? Well, Priority One sets up global missionary schools l- literally across the world. We as a church help plant three global missionary schools this past year alone. That means there's individuals that are sitting in classroom learning about Jesus so that they can go to their neighborhoods to tell people about Jesus. It's literally a college like I went to and like Paul went to and Nicole went to to go tell people about Jesus, to take them through ministry education. Say, all right, that's, that's cool. I, I, can get, I can get behind that. Well, well what else? Well, local church expansion. Church, let me remind us that for the next two years, our kingdom builders at this location goes directly to our building. You say, Pastor, why, why is it going to the building? It's not that we want to just build some fancy structure. It's that we believe we're running out of room here. Amen. And, and that when we get in this space, that people will come to know the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus. This is what I love about the building. The building isn't going to be a, a structure that's open on a Sunday morning. The building's going to have things happening in it throughout the week. We've thrown out ideas like, what would it look like for us to have a gym at the church? You say, Pastor, why, why a gym? It's because I've had some of the most meaningful, meaningful conversations with people in a gym than I have in, in a church. Well, we're also going to throw a coffee shop in there. Pastor, why, why are we putting a coffee shop in, in, in the church? I, I don't know. There's something about a cup of coffee when you're, amen, right? Well, where's my people that put like junk in their coffee? And when I say junk, I mean like cream and sugar. Where's the people that drink it black? I'll see you guys in heaven. Everybody else will pray for your soul. But, but there's, there's, something about, there's something about a cup of coffee. And I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's you said caffeine. There it is. Amen. I hear you. I hear you, Miss K. I hear you. You need that caffeine in the morning, don't you? I got you. Did y'all drink some coffee this morning? But there's something about a cup of coffee that, that when you sit across a table with someone 
I, I don't know. It's like, it's like after every sip, you, your heart opens up a little more. It's like after every sip, that, that conversation goes a little deeper. It's after every sip, I, I might, man, I'm just going to lean in and I'm, I'm just going to talk about Jesus. Right. Many of you guys know that we own a coffee shop called Good Drip Coffee. And why, why do you own a coffee shop? Because Eric is in there every stinking day and people walk in and they're hurting. Eric, Eric is making a cup of coffee for someone and they're opening up their heart how their life is falling apart. Eric's able to say, hey, can I, can I, pray, for, can I pray for your marriage? Can, 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 I pray, can I pray for your kids? What if, what if we put a coffee shop in the church and, and then we're serving coffee out of there and someone goes, my, my life is falling apart. And we say, hey, there, th- th- there's, this, there's this guy named Jesus and there's this thing called hope. And, and, and can I introduce you to, to hope and, and to grace and, and forgiveness? That, that's why a building, not because we want some walls, because we want to actively change people's lives. You say, Pastor, what, what's, the other, what's the other component of kingdom builders? Well, it's what we call future Christian leaders. And specifically, specifically, it's our SEU uh, Concord students. If you're in the room, I wouldn't plan on doing this, but if you're in the room and you've been to an SEU Concord class at all, or you're a current student, can you stand up real quick for me? I know somewhere up front, anybody out there? So we've got one, two, three, four in here right now. Can we give it up? Can we give it up for these guys? You guys can go ahead and, and sit down. Throw up the rest of those names. So, so we've had 96 SEU Concord students come, come through Concord in the last three years. Of those 96, the names on the screen have been actively involved in Multiply Lake Norman. That's three years. What's, gonna, what's God going to do in their lives the next 30 years? What are they learning here that they're going to take to the nations? What are they learning here that, that they're going to take to, to Mooresville or to Cornelius? Or, or hey, let's go plant a church in Statesville. And, and what, if, what if Gary's called to plant the church in Statesville? I don't know if you are, but maybe you are. You, you know, what, what, what if? What if? How are we pouring in and sowing in to these lives? Let me give you some numbers. I think churches shy away from... Uh, dollars and they shy away from talking about money sometimes um, and it makes them a little uncomfortable if I'm honest with you as a pastor the first time I ever had to preach a message on money I was like I don't want to do it can I can I call in sick like y'all ever have that meeting at work and you're like can I just call in sick I don't want to like I don't want to go today I just wanted to call in sick and I think the reason that that, that churches feel that way is because like I don't know I don't know how people are going to respond. So I thought that the best way to do this was just to be open and honest and, and just give you the numbers how they are, right? Like, I'm not hiding anything. If you want to know the numbers, I'll just, we'll sit down and have a cup of coffee, and I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the numbers. But let me, let me throw it out to you. In 2020, Multiply Family Giving gave over $757,000 to, to literally organizations and missions. Our, our, excuse me, that's what came in. Our Dream Center grants were over $296,000. Our Cornerfield Market contributions were over $25,000. So, Pastor, what does that mean? Total all-in, our Kingdom Builders initiatives, you guys gave, along with all of our locations, gave over a million dollars to Kingdom Builders last year. Can we, like, can we get excited about that? Now, let me, let me be very, 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 very clear. That money that comes in goes directly out. Every single Kingdom Builders dollar that comes in goes directly out to one of those three initiatives. Pastor, does it go to operations? Nope. Operations is in one of those three areas. Pastor, does that mean it goes to your paycheck? Nope. Doesn't mean it goes to my paycheck. It means that it literally goes to global missions, local church expansion, or future Christian leaders. We gave over a million dollars away to people 
in need. If you take a look at our missions on top of that, we raised over $453,000 for missions last year. So, so what does that mean? All in, kingdom builders and missions. You guys, along with the rest of the Multiply family of churches, gave over $1.5 million to the kingdom of God. That's something, that's something that I hope that we get excited about, that we get excited about. Take a look at those booklets. Let's look at some real stories about real people. Take a look at page 13. Our family planted a brand new church in the middle of 2020. Probably wasn't the best year to try to plant a church, but we planted one in Harrisburg. The Multiply Lake Norman team, us, we as individuals, purchased eight and a half acres for that building that you just saw. On page 13, you heard me talk about Convoy of Hope and Priority One. And, and a few weeks ago, we told you that we planted 50 churches in India. And, and I, we, we give you those books because we want to share the stories of, of what you're doing, of what we're doing as a family. Well, Pastor, why are you, why are you mentioning this at the end of our Freedom Series? Why do you give us these books at the end of our Freedom Series? And it's because, church, when we have holistic freedom in our marriage, when we have holistic freedom in our mental state, when we have holistic freedom in our relationships and in our jobs and in our finances, we radically change the world. I can't talk about freedom without talking about holistic freedom. So today, I'm going to preach about the Red Sea. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and take them out. If you don't, we have the scripture on the screen. But Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. And it reads like this. Many other people went up with them. Many other people went up with them. And that's what kingdom builders, it's about. Because our freedom doesn't stop with us. Angie, your freedom doesn't stop with you. Jessica, your freedom, where, where are you at? Are you in here? Jessica, your freedom doesn't start with you guys getting out of debt. Brittany, your freedom, wherever you are, your freedom doesn't stop with you guys getting out of debt. Our, our freedom doesn't stop with us. That's not the end. It's just the beginning. And, and through Kingdom Builders, we want to take as many people with us as possible. So this is what I want you to do. Put an asterisk at Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. And then let's pick back up with the Israelites. So you guys remember last week we, we talked about the Israelites and we talked about the Passover. And, and when we left last week, they had just experienced that 10th plague. And it was their final step towards freedom. It's a representation of the blood of Jesus. The death angel passed over and, and took the firstborn. But the Israelites, they were completely covered by the blood. They were 100% covered by the blood and they were 100% free. But then we pick up in Exodus chapter 14. Let me read it to you. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Fahoreth and Migdal and by the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Then Pharaoh would think the Israelites are confused and they are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped as they were told. 
Y'all ever read scripture and it's like, I, I think I know what's going on, but let me break it down for you. This, this sounds like the worst plan ever. I don't know if this analogy is popping in my head because I have a three-year-old, but it's like Shaggy and Scooby came up with it. Any Scooby-Doo fans in the room? It's like Velma didn't come up with this one, right? Like this, this is Shaggy and Scooby's plan. You go, Pastor, what, what do you mean? Well, God said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Remember, God took the Israelites the long way around to freedom. They didn't go through the land of the Philistines. So where they found themselves was stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. And God says, hey, this is what you're going to do. You're going to hang out there. You're just going to wait. We're going to, we're going to set up camp. We're not going to run. We're just going to wait. And you know why Pharaoh thought the Israelites were confused and trapped? It's because they actually were. Scripture says that the Israelites are going, Moses, why did you bring us out here? They were crying out, weren't there enough burial sites for us in Egypt? Why didn't we just die there? They, they were confused. They were trapped. And Pharaoh's looking at them going, what, what in the world are they, what are, what are they doing? We, we've got them. It's that easy? We, we, we've got them trapped. The brass taxes, the devil hates you. The, the, the brass taxes, the devil hates your freedom. And anything that you've gotten freedom from in the last few months, that's the very thing that's going to try to chase you down now. See, the Israelites got freedom from the Egyptians, but the Egyptians were now chasing them down. They were covered by the blood, but they were confused. They were covered, but they were trapped. They were covered, but they felt chased. Yesterday, I was uh, driving back, like I said, and, and I was kind of wrapping up, wrapping up the sermon. And anybody ever felt trapped in a conversation before? And you're like, I just want to get out of this thing. I, your boy felt trapped, all right? So we were, we, were in, we were in the van, and we were talking about vans. And I'm sitting in the front, and, and Justin and Brittany start talking about how van life is the best life. And, and I'm thinking, I'm not having this conversation. I'm putting my headphones in because you're not suckering us into buying a van. We got another little girl on the way. Don't need a van. Go buy a big, bigger SUV. Like, I'm not, I refuse to be a van dad, okay? I'm not going to be a van dad. And then from behind me, my wife, my loving, adoring wife says, never say never. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be stuck in this conversation. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, but this is how my life ends. I'm jumping out of a moving van. Like, I, I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to get a van. But, but I felt trapped. felt trapped in the conversation. I was confused as to why Jenna wanted a van, because we've never talked about a van. Now you're backing out. Yeah, you're confused now too, aren't you? She's feeling chased by me. Man, you ever, you ever ended a relationship, but he won't stop texting you? You ever, you ever tried to, to get alone with Jesus and, and, and have peace, but, but there's people sliding into your DMs? You ever feel chased? You ever received a report, report of healing and you thought it's not going to last? Celebrated a report a couple weeks ago and uh, your boy's in a boot today because his gout's flaring up. Like, like, like you ever received that, that, that healing report but those thoughts of it, it's not going to last or, or you're, not, you're, you're just going to get another bad report. Maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning. You ever had freedom from an addiction? An addiction. Maybe you're taking pills and it's an addiction. Or, or maybe you're drinking a little too much at night and it's, it's becoming an addiction. But maybe you got free from it, but now those cravings are coming back. 
You ever feel like they're chasing you down? You ever feel like you're trapped? You ever feel like you're free from your past, but the guilt and the shame is trying to chase you down? You, 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 ever, you ever feel like you're free from what you did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, what you did in college, or, or the, those memories that you're trying to forget, but it seems like your fear and your shame are trying to trap you and, and chase you down? Maybe you're in church today, and you know you're supposed to be here, but you've got that feeling of, I, I shouldn't be here. You've got that feeling of, I don't belong here. If only they knew who I really was. You ever felt trapped and, and chased down? But on the other side of your freedom, the devil wants you to get confused, trapped, and chased. And, and today, I want to preach to that person. I want to preach to the person that feels confused. I want to preach to the person that feels trapped. I want to preach to the person that feels chased. Maybe you're tired and you feel like you can't outrun the enemy and go, Pastor, that's me. What do I do? Yeah, but how? How do I get out of it? How, 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 do, I, how do I get out of it? Because there's the Red Sea and there's the Egyptian army and I'm right in the middle. Let's pick up in verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. Remember, what you got free from is going to be the thing that chases you down. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariots and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people who left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after him, after them with all of their troops. The Egyptians eventually called up to the Israelites. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up in panic when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, this is what I said earlier, what did you bring us out here to the wilderness to die for? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen? I want to pause right there for just a second. I don't know why I'm pausing, but, but I want to go back to that person that, that you're in church. Maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe you've been coming a couple of weeks. And the enemy's just speaking to your heart, even on, on the way that you're driving, like when you're driving in. Like, man, why, are, why am I even going? I, my life didn't change last week. What, what, makes it, what makes me think it'll change this week? Can I, can I remind you that God still has a plan. Verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Sounds like a good plan, Moses. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then verse 15 says this. I hope y'all catch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. So what, what do we do? What do we do when we feel chased? What do we do when we feel trapped? What do we do when we feel confused? The, the first, first note that you can take today is this. Number one, stay calm. Verse 14 says, But Moses told the people, just stay calm. 
Just just stay calm. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I I love riding horses. I love riding horses. And more than that, I love, man, I love being on the back of a bull. I haven't rode bulls too many times, but but the few times, the few times that I have, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. You have a team of individuals trying to get the bull into the chute. And, and the reality of it is you have to stay calm as the bull rider. Because as soon as you commit and as soon as that leg goes over the chute and as soon as you're straddling a bull, if you freak out, you've already lost. If you let your emotions get to you, you've already lost. I, I remember the first time that I rode a bull I was in Lake Okeechobee. Um, and got, kind of got called out by this guy, like, oh, you're, there, there ain't no way you can outride anybody here. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. I guess it's like Luke and me working out. Ain't no way you're going no to beat me. Well, I don't know. Let's try it, right? So, so I, get, I get on the back of the bull, but, but an individual kind of told me, hey, if, if you freak out, you've already lost. Hey, if you lose your emotions, you've already lost. If you don't stay calm, you've already lost. We, we control our emotions. We control how we react. I have a three-year-old, right? And we didn't really have the terrible twos, but I don't know what happened when she turned three. It's like, y'all didn't tell me about that. Y'all said it was terrible twos. It's not terrible. Now it's terrible threes, right? So Piper and I have this thing where as soon as she starts acting up, right? As as soon as something kind of goes haywire, I kind of get on her level or I pick her up and put her on the counter and, and, and we're eye level. And I say, Piper, breathe, breathe. And she's, I'm like, baby, you're, you're okay. Like, 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 you're okay. Calm down. You control your emotions. I'm talking to her like she's 17. You control, you control your emotions. And she's acting like she's three. I'm going to talk to you like you're adults, but some of y'all acting like you're three. Like, you, 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 control, you control your emotions. Regardless of what life throws at you, you control how you react. Moses reminds the Israelites, hey, hey, stop, stop complaining. You've trusted God this far. Just Stay calm. Number two is this. The Lord himself will fight for you. So Moses says, just stay calm. And then he reminds the people, the Lord himself will fight for you. Y'all know what today is? Today's the Super Bowl. Y'all, anybody excited about the Super Bowl? There's two great, there's two great quarterbacks playing, right? You have the GOAT playing Tom Brady. Like there's two great... Nobody. There you go. But, but arguably, right, you have two, you have two just powerhouse quarterbacks. I, I would say that Tom Brady is the GOAT. Team, y'all can go ahead and come back up. I, w- I would say Tom Brady's the GOAT, right? He, he's won enough championships to be the GOAT. But, but then you have, you have Mahomes, and he's a fantastic quarterback. And, and, and regardless of what team you're pulling for today, you probably have this good sense of like, I like my quarterback. You, you, you like who's under center today. You, you like either Mahomes or Brady, or, or Brady calling the plays, right? They're, they're both great quarterbacks. Coach, who would you take? Hard, hard, it's hard, right? It's hard. Are, are, you, are, you taking, are you taking the brains or are you taking just the, the raw power, right, or, or the raw talent? Like, it's got to take, oh, man, take, anybody, anybody taking Mahomes? Like anybody, I got one in the back. I got two, three. Oh, man. Everybody else taking Brady. No, y'all don't want to say Brady just because you don't like Brady when he played for the Patriots. Like y'all can like Brady now that he's on the Bucks, all right? But, but you, feel good, you feel good about who's under center. 
Even, even if it's third quarter and you're down 10, regardless of what team you, you, you know, you're pulling for, you, you have to recognize the talent of the quarterbacks. Listen, the Israelites, they're like, third quarter. I'm, I'm not down 10, like I'm down 40, and, and, they, and they've got the ball. Here, here, come the, here comes the Egyptian army. They're coming right for us. But the neat thing is that, that their quarterback, the guy that was calling the plays, it wasn't Moses, it was God. Better than Brady and Mahomes put together. God, God knew what he was doing, and unprecedented attacks allow for unprecedented power. If you're facing something you've never faced before, I want you to begin to expect God to move in a way that you've never seen Him move before. Pastor, I've got depression like I've never got before, that I've never had before. Man, maybe you should expect God to give you a peace like you've never experienced before. Pastor, I've got, I've got anger like I've, I've never experienced before in my life. And I don't, I don't know why. Maybe you should expect God to give you a sense of love that you've never experienced before. Pastor, I've got a sense of insecurity that I've never experienced before. Maybe you should find your security in this guy named Jesus. Unprecedented attacks call for unprecedented power. Number three, if you're taking notes, stand still and get moving. Is that an oxymoron? St stand still, get moving. So, so what's, what's going on in, in this scripture? Moses tells the Israelites, just stand still. Did you catch God's response when I read it earlier? God says, why are you crying out to me? Get moving. We've always said that we're a church that starts with prayer. We pray early and we pray often. Could you imagine if God said, hey, y'all stop praying for a minute and just move? Because that's what he did to the Israelites. He said, why, why are you crying out to me? Why, why, why are you talking to me right now? Get moving. Get moving. But can God say that? <laughs> That's like that age-old question. Can God create a rock that he can't move? Like, like can God tell me not to pray? Like, I, like wh what's going on? I, I used to, to get kind of confused when I would see things that contradict themselves in the Bible. But, but now, now I get excited. Because I started to think how a lot of times we're actually like Moses on our level of faith. See, see Moses said, stay calm. And don't fear. We're saying God, God's got it. God's got this. God's going to win the battle. All of that was, was spot on. And Moses' reaction was, I'm just going to stand still. And, and God says, I, I'm not, I'm not going to show up that way this time. Maybe you've been waiting for God to show up in your life and you've been down praying and praying and praying and God saying, hey, it's time to lift your head. Hey, it's, it's time to get moving. How, how many times am I like that in my own life? I, I know not to fear. I, I know to stay calm. I say things to myself like, like God's got this and I'm just going to stay here and I'm just going to keep praying until God does something. But God says, no, not, not this time. I'm like, when I read that over and over, I'm like, what the heck? What, 
what, what's going on? Y'all ever read something in the Bible that seems counterintuitive to the way you thought God was? And, and that's what I was doing when I was reading the scripture. It doesn't seem like something God would say, but he does. He says, stop praying and take a step. Now, when I was reading, I was like, no, 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 no. Like, like I, what, do you, what do you mean? You have to act. You, you have to act. You mean I actually, I actually have to stand still and stop praying? How do I, like, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. How can I stand still but move at the same time? But you tell me to pray, but I'm, I'm not supposed to pray. None of, none of this makes sense. But God says to move. God, God, I'm, I'm stuck in depression. Where do you want me to move? God, God I'm stuck in anxiety. Where, where do you want me to move? God, I'm stuck in fear. Where do you want me to move? Mo, Moses is going, God, I've got the Egyptians on one side and a body of water on, on the other. Where do you want me to move? I'm trapped. I'm confused. And now... Now I'm being chased. Like, what, what, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God says forward. The answer is always forward. And that's what I feel like God is saying to somebody today. Take a step. Get moving. God, where, where am I supposed to move? Forward. What does it look like? I don't know. Forward. Move forward. We're always moving forward. Go towards your destiny. Go towards your calling. Go towards those dreams that God is starting to pull out of you. Let me bring this thing back full circle. Kingdom builders. Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. They went forward and many other people went with them. How many people could you bring with you in your life? If you begin to go forward, how many people could you bring along with you? How many people could you introduce to Jesus this year alone? How many people could you have a conversation with? Listen, I know it's work. I know it's the gym. I know it's a gas station. I know it's a grocery store. But, but if, have you ever been prompted by the Holy Spirit just to step into a conversation with someone and tell them about Jesus? Pastor, that sounds weird. I know unprecedented attacks causes unprecedented power. Sometimes the things that may seem off the wall might be the Holy Spirit actually trying to get your attention. I talked to a, a person at a gas station yesterday. He said, Bud, you look tired. He said, I got a long night ahead of me. He said, Can I pray for you? Said, I'm not weird, I promise. I just like your jacket. I figured I'd say, Hey, like, yeah. Well, they may not be thinking about you when you get off tonight at 11. 11 o'clock came, said a quick prayer in my head. Team didn't even know about it, just said a quick prayer in my head. It's unprecedented. But what if God moved in his car last night on the way home? What if? What if? Many other people went up with him. Let me practically get the kingdom builders. It's through hard work and generosity that we continue to be a church. So practically, practically, what can you do to be a part of kingdom builders? to take as many people with us as possible. You guys have the books. There's some cards in there. You can fill those out, drop them in the basket. I'm not going to make a big push for this. I want God to move in your heart. 
I don't want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear God's voice. So you fill those cards out. I'll go through this quick, or you can text multiply LKN to 77977. It'll be on the screen. All you do is select multiply Lake Norman, and maybe you would consider putting in a reoccurring Kingdom Builders gift so we can continue to do things that are in that booklet. But, but again, it's not about it's not about the dollar amount. It's about the Davidson student that will come to church for the first time and experience and love the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. It's about a family that will move to Lake Norman and their marriage will be falling apart. Their kids are far from the Lord and for some reason they find this church and when they walk in the door, their family starts to come back together. It, it'll be an, an SEU student that sits in one of these chairs that, that, that maybe they play drums or, or maybe they play the bass or, or maybe they feel called to plant a church or, or, or whatever, whatever it might be. Maybe they'll change the world for good. Are we bringing as many people with us as we possibly, as we possibly can, as we possibly can? I want to give you, I want to give you one last quick illustration. Story of breakthrough. Breaking, breaking through barriers. Breaking through barriers. Many engineers believe that, that Mach 1 represented an impenetrable wall of air. But on October 14, 1947, this guy named Chuck Yeager attempted the impossible. And as the plane approached Mach 1, it began to shake violently. At Mach 0.965, the speed indicator went haywire. All of the systems were just crashing. At Mach 0.995, the G-force blurred his vision and it actually made him sick. Could you imagine sitting in that cockpit for just, for just a second? Gary, you're getting excited right now when you're talking about planes. Then just as it seemed as if the plane would disintegrate, there was a loud sonic boom followed by an almost eerie silence. And as the plane crossed the sound barrier at 761 miles per hour, the air pressure, pressure shifted from the front of the plane to the back of the plane. The shock waves that had buffed the cockpit turned to a sea of glass. Just like the sound barrier, there's a faith barrier. I said, I know, I know life can get confusing. I, I know life can get a, a little crazy. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're following Jesus, but it, but it seems like everything around you is going a little haywire. I know maybe you're following Jesus and, and you feel a little chaotic, but, but just like there's a sound barrier, there's a faith barrier. Stacy, keep going. Keep pushing. Why, why not? Everything's already a little crazy. Keep, keep pushing. Mary, keep pushing. Keep pushing. What's God calling you to do? Angie, keep, keep pushing. You and I have had some conversations. I'm calling you out, girl. Don't, don't get mad at me later, all right? We've had some conversations. God, God's done something. He's, he's broken your heart for a specific group of people in this church. Why not? Why not? Coach, you share some dreams with me. Lisa, you share some dreams with me. I can call you out now because it's what I do, right? But, but, but why not? Things seem a little chaotic. I don't really know what's going on right now. What, what happens if you keep pushing? What happens if you keep pushing? I, I, don't know, I don't know the season that you're in. But I told you I wanted to preach to the people that feel trapped, you feel confused, you feel chased. Maybe you find yourself in that situation all across this room. 
as we stand. Can we say, can we say something along these lines? God, when I feel trapped, when I feel confused, when I feel chased, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep going. And I want to take as many people with me as humanly possible. 